You know, Elliot, last week we were talking about uh, what movies need to be rebooted, and uh, I, I think we missed one. Yeah, I was getting word that we need to reboot this podcast. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. Catter Geek number 111. I, I like that. It's very symmetrical. Uh, Keith Conrad here at Keith Conrad on Twitter at uh, Elliot Serrano on Twitter, Elliot. Um, you know, um, I, I, I don't know what, what we could do to reboot this podcast. Um, we, we, uh, uh, other, than, other than maybe disagree with each other more. Right, you know, I, I think it's <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess well, what, what the word is, not so much reboot the podcast, but like with many reboots, they want to recast. So I think they want younger, uh, younger versions of us, you know, younger, more likable versions. I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, but if you, you decide to recast me, you bet uh, you better you best find someone who can balance, who can handle this balance of snark and adorableness. It, it, it's tough, really. I mean, for for me, you could just put like uh, Martin Prince from The Simpsons, and you'd be fine. Oh, that'd be awesome. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd, uh, and then at the end of every episode, we'd be singing, "The summer wind came blowing <laughs> in across the sea." You're just sitting there. So he's just sitting there with his pants down. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we've all been there. But to me, I'm, I'm just reflecting on last week's episode. It was, um, um, uh, I was going, wow, I really racked my brain trying to figure out movies that we could reboot that would be effective. And um, I, well, I forgot to mention, yeah, um, horror movies tend to work. Uh, but it's it's after that, it's then it's movie musicals. Musicals are about it. Um, because... You know, it seems like we don't mind them when they update musicals and they recast them. And and if Hugh Jackman and is in everything, no one complains. So I, I think that's um, really that, the key. He's sort of the uh, sort of the Jimmy Stewart of uh, of our generation that uh, everybody just likes everything he does. Like everyone likes some Hugh you know, Jackman. So right, right. Every, everybody thought that uh, Tom Hanks was going to be the uh, you know the Jimmy Stewart of our generation, but really it, it's Hugh Jackman. Because Tom, Tom Hanks is, is, you know, thrown in a sprinkled in a couple of performances that, uh, you know, maybe we'd rather forget, you know, like Joe versus the volcano and such. But, uh, you know, Hugh, Hugh Jackman, pretty much everything he touches is gold. I, I actually liked uh, Joe versus the volcano. That's one of the more underappreciated to me, un, underappreciated Tom Hanks movies. Not so much because of Tom Hanks, but because of Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan plays like three different characters in that movie. You know, she does that bit like uh, like Eddie Murphy did in um, in those movies when he was playing all these different characters in makeup. Right. You know, he would do that for a bit. Meg Ryan does that in Joe versus the Volcano and it's totally forgotten about. You know, so I remember going, ah, wow, that's wait, Meg Ryan again. 
holy mackerel, she's actually really good at this. I think that was the so, first of the Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movies, wasn't it? Was it? I don't know, first or second, one of those. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's, it's you know, but it, it is underappreciated. I, 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 at least for me, it is. Uh, I think it is. And uh, speaking of underappreciated movies, we wanted to uh, take a few moments uh, this week and, and talk about uh, underappreciated sequels. And, um, you know, I, I have to, uh, you know, last week we, we talked, uh, you, you mentioned Jaws as a potential reboot movie, and um, I, I don't want you to think less of me. And this is where you say, Keith, that's not possible. Uh, <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I, Jaws 2 is one of those movies for me. And, and, and actually, much like, um, you know, we, we've already had the discussion of Ghostbusters 2. I actually saw Jaws 2 before I saw the first one, and I, I think that's just why I always liked it. I, I, I definitely like the, the original Jaws more than Jaws 2, but I always, I always liked it just the same. Well, the thing about Jaws 2 is you, you did have Roy Scheider come back to do the film. Um, it, the movie does this weird... Um, jump forward in time where the kid, you know, the sons are no longer, you know, they're no longer like, like seven and 12 or I forgot how, how old the kids were in the they're, first show. They're teens uh, sneaking out of the house instead of adorable scams. Right. Yeah. So we know the movie's gone ahead like six, seven years at the very least, but the mayor is still mayor. He still dresses the same way. It's like it doesn't seem like that much time has passed. But by the way, um, at the risk of poking holes in my own argument, how does he keep getting reelected? Yeah, I know. Like the hell, you would think that the the, the this fashion sense alone would get him run out of office. But <clears throat> but then the movie itself turns into. They film, and the director of of Jaws too, which it's not Steven Spielberg, and Steven Spielberg himself says it's one of his greatest regrets that he never did do Jaws two. Um, um, until the Indiana Jones movies came along, he had never done a sequel. Um, so it it, it kind of turns on it, it 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 dispenses with the with the really cool man versus nature type. Um, formula of the first film and kind of just turns it into a horror movie like a teen horror film where um the 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 shark is like michael myers or 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 jason you know jason Voorhees. yeah and and, that's a good comparison and it just gets gets dumb at that point um well at at one point the uh the shark actually eats a helicopter so you know that that's that's going a little. I'm surprised that never became part of like the the pop culture like uh, lexicon. Uh, eating a helicopter, you know, eating a helicopter. That sounds like a. That sounds like a, some sort of euphemism. Anyway. It does, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think, but Roy Scheider carries that film. I mean, he again, he carries the movie. Um, if if he had decided to do Jaws three. Um, maybe we're talking about Jaws three more, um, but uh, beyond that, we're not because you know it was Oscar winner Louis Gossett Jr. who decided he needed a paycheck and <laughs> decides <laughs> to do Jaws Jaws not just Jaws three but Jaws three D. You know, 
Um, and that was a movie I never saw in the uh, in in theaters, so I didn't even know it was three D until years later. I, I saw it in the theater. Suddenly, suddenly the, the floating fish head at the very beginning made a lot more sense when I found out it was supposed to be, you know, it was originally released in 3D. Right. I, I do remember it giving me kind of a phobia about going into underwater tunnels at SeaWorld type places. That's you know. a very specific phobia, Elliot. Yeah, well, that's just when you're just when you thought it was safe to go back to the aquatic park. <laughs> you know? but but you're right no jaws 2 is kind of underappreciated uh uh i think a lot of times people just want to forget that jaws 2 even happened i can't remember if jaws 2 is actually based on a peter benchley book or not um like the first jaws um he might have written the novelization i could be wrong well, I I, I kind of doubt it, just because the you know the movie ended up departing from the the novel so much that you know how could how could you really really base a sequel on on a you know sequel novel that wouldn't have you know the the source material for the sequel novel wouldn't have been anywhere close to the you know the the movie. Well, Michael Crichton did it for uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, that's true. You know. Yeah. Uh, he when he wrote the sequel, The Lost World, that was supposed to be the basis of the the movie, The Lost World, but it really wasn't. You know, the Doctor Ian Malcolm dies in the book, in the first Jurassic Park book, and inexplicably is no longer dead in um, in the sequel, the book sequel. And, you know, he just says, oh, uh, the, the news of my death was greatly exaggerated. Which, dude, you which, killed the kid. Which, which, by the way, uh, The Lost World, it's actually also on my list of underrated sequels. I, I, know, I, know, I, know, uh, I know some people, you know, they feel very strongly about it. I, I thought it was pretty good. Well, that whole the only thing that made it to the movie from the book was the sequence with the trucks that are like hanging over the cliff, you know, the truck that has the uh, the bendy part in the middle, and the the dinosaurs you know are pushing it off the cliff, and then you know everyone's hanging, you know, the literal cliffhanger type sequence. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, you know, not much else makes it into the movie from the book. So you know, although Ian Malcolm is back because. You know, he was proved to be a very popular character. He survives the end of the movie, so you got to bring him back for the for the second one. Not, not only did he not only did he survive, you know, into the into the second movie, he's also actually survived into the reboots. So you know, because right, he's going to yeah. be in the in the new Jurassic World movie. So you have that. I mean. Um, to me right now and I, I you know I talked about this on my Facebook page um, um, uh, a week or so ago uh, and I and I got a lot of people jump all over me for it um Anchorman 2 is oh. really an underappreciated oh, Anchorman uh, 2 was terrible I loved Anchorman 2 that movie their scenes in Anchorman 2 made me laugh harder than in the first one and the thing that killed me is like it was so they needle Fox News so much. 
on that uh, in that film you know i was just dying i was just dying it was like ron burgundy was the prototypical fox host you know <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I, I i enjoyed it so much you know that um that it, it just you know we we'd waited so long for an anchorman sequel people forget that i guess some uh, um Will Ferrell really wanted to do an Anchorman sequel, but the studio wouldn't approve it. They wouldn't give them the money. You had all these guys on uh, in Anchorman who kind of had gone on to be bigger things. I mean, Steve Carell played a small part. He wasn't as big as he was, um, you know, as he is now. So all those salaries went up. You had Steve Carell, Paul Rudd, um, you know, of course, Will Ferrell. You know, they, 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 you know, they, of course, were going to command more money. Only, sure. only David. Keckner, he he, you know, he never really took off. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Whammy. I'm mean, sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> that wasn't going to work for him. I feel bad because he's such a nice guy too. You know, <laughs> you know, David Keckner is the kind of guy. Who go, hey, will you come on my podcast? He went. He'll go. Sure. <laughs> you know? Hey, we we should do that. By the way, David Keckner will be on next week. Next week, right? Yeah. There, okay. Uh, so. So then the movie finally comes out and it has mixed reviews and, and it pretty much killed. I mean, and uh, apparently Will Ferrell has an idea for an Anchorman three, but because no one cared as much for Anchorman two as I did, um, we're, we're never going to see it. Uh, and then the other one that um, uh, to me, I think is very underappreciated just because it's set the franchise in, in the ridiculous direction that it's gone in now uh, too fast, too furious um you know much like uh the james bond movies i have missed all the uh, fast and furious movies so i'll take your word for it that it's uh that it's it's pretty good i i will not dispute you on that i will i will just assume it is (laughs) because the first fast and furious movie it kind of towed the line of reality you know you know, there's the the whole bit with you know uh, um, um, Paul Walker and 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 Vin Diesel. You know, Paul Walker's a cop. Vin Diesel's a crook. You know, he's trying to one's trying to bust the other. The laws of physics were sort of followed <laughs> in, in the first Fast and Furious movie. But then Too Fast, Too Furious comes along, and they start pushing it. Of course. Uh, uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift comes after that, um, and uh, which I, I uh, when they brought, I, I was ready to ignore Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift as even part of the Fast and Furious um, franchise, just like many people ignore Halloween Three season of the witch you know in the in the halloween series um but then they bring tyrese in for um you know the 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 fourth fast and the furious and then furious five and then fate of the furious so yeah (laughs) the thing about the fast and the furious movies is that surprisingly even though they, they have some of the craziest stunts on there it's probably one of the more diverse casts out there and yeah, it is. the movies yeah. make a yeah, one of the most diverse casts out there. And the movies make a ton of money and people love them. They keep going back to them. I don't see Fast and Furious fatigue going on uh, occurring right now um like let's say with the Transformers movies because the last Transformer movie I think killed the franchise finally. 
No, yeah. they'll they'll reboot it in about uh, about two years. <laughs> Hopefully, with yeah, Michael yeah. Bay nowhere near it. Now are producing it, right? Yeah. Um, it, yeah and, and, yeah. and 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 by the way, we should uh, we should point out that at least at least for me, uh, before anybody jumps on me, I'm not saying that these movies are necessarily better than the first ones. You know, the the the, the origin stories for for any of them. I, I'm just saying that you know they're underappreciated. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and we're not saying that these. Uh, I'm not. There are certainly sequels out there that have exceeded the first one. I mean, you talk about Aliens, you talk about Terminator 2, Empire Strikes Back, Godfather 2. You know, and when you talk about sequels that people revere, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they are sequels that deserve, I think, some sort of recognition and and that yeah, actually kind of aren't and there are people who just want to forget they exist well, well since, since you mentioned the, the the franchise i have to say you know terminator 3 rise of the machines i think that uh you know at the time was was really good but i think that uh you know i i, I think that for for me and a lot of uh other fans of the franchise you know, like they thought it was setting up you know like a a if not another another trilogy, uh, certainly another movie that would would sort of like close the loop and, and show you you know John Connor actually leading the resistance in the future, and instead we've just gotten this jumbled mess since then. But I think that Terminator Three at the time, you know, without all the baggage since Terminator Three was actually a really good movie. I agree. I remember when I went to see Terminator 3 and you get to the end and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. It does feel very it feels like a <clears throat> like a Richard Matheson episode, you know, um, like like he could have written it like a, a very Twilight Zone ish. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, you get, yeah, I remember going, oh, wow, they went there. Oh, that was really clever. Yeah. So, and I don't know, you know if it's because, you know, I think that was what, like, oh, three, oh, four or something like that. Uh, so it wasn't like, you know, we were all glued to Reddit or anything. But there's, you know, there's a, a, a twist at the end that um, going into it, I had no idea that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually quite clever. And I remember when you get to the end, I'm like, oh, okay, this movie, it's like one of those endings where it kind of redeems the film itself. You know, some of the action sequences are kind of clunky. Arnold's doing, you know, pretty much redoing the 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 you know the the terminator trying to be human but he gets the he, he gets the terminator to say talk to the hand which is uh, yeah that that uh, that this, that that could have yeah. ruined the movie yeah well yeah you just gotta forget that ever happened so yeah it, it's uh, it's um terminator 3 i i will I, i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it its props um Another uh, sequel, and um, that that uh, well, I will say, it, it wasn't one that I mentioned, but I think is really underappreciated. You know, when you talk about Jaws two and Terminator three, um, Die Hard two, uh, which when Die Hard two came out. Um, got a lot of really positive reviews. I remember Siskel and Ebert raving about it because you had a young Rennie Harlan directing this film and really bringing, you know, a new kind of, you know, um, amping up the action in the film um, while still not making um, 
uh, John McClane, the the unstoppable super soldier that he becomes, like in later Die Hard movies. Right. Yeah. He's just a, uh, you know, it, and that's where I think they've they've dropped the ball in uh, in the recent movies. Is you know he was. You know, he was just, I, I wouldn't say he was just a normal guy, but he was, he was a cop who was just sort of thrown into that situation as opposed to, um, you know, what he, you know, l- like you said, the super soldier in later movies. And on top of that, it ups the Christmas factor. It does. From, yes. From the first Die Hard, because you have actual snow in Die Hard 2. And it has the ending. And they even say, the characters say Merry Christmas to each other. So if Die Hard 1 is a Christmas film, Die Hard 2 is doubly, doubly so a Christmas <laughs> film, you know, but also very much a product of his time. You know, I, I, I remember I watched it. I, it was over the Christmas weekend. I thought, oh, I'm going to watch Die Hard and I'm going to watch Die Hard 2 because I remember really enjoying Die Hard 2 in the theater. And I still enjoyed it. Um, mind you, there were some bits where I'm like, oh, OK, that feels very. Yeah, that's a little bit convenient there. And OK, it's so obvious that um, Bruce Willis is acting here. Um, he's kind of like gotten fallen in love with the, the character that is him, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> Um because I remember when you watched uh, Die Hard 1, uh, John McClane is essentially David Addison, you know, from from Moonlighting. Right. And then, and then in Die Hard 2, it's Bruce Willis playing himself, playing David Addison and exaggerating it a lot. So it's like, <laughs> you're like, wow, there's the train. Something happened here. And, 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 you know, it's funny that no one ever cosplays as John McClane from Dar- Die Hard 2. It's always John McClane from Die Hard 1. Running around, no, f- no shoes, uh, dress pants, and, uh, and, a white, uh, and a white T-shirt with a machine gun. Everyone knows that. No one knows a really cool, the really nice, you know, old man sweater that he's wearing in Die Hard 2. <laughs> which is actually quite comfortable, you know. <laughs> So, but they never do that. And it's it's funny how the 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 the, the uh, really good at climbing through vents, you know, in these movies. You know, he's crossing like so much territory just in vents alone. Yeah, um, I, 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 I've, I I can't say I've had many opportunities to uh, you know to climb in vents, but uh, you know from what I've seen, I'm I'm always very disappointed whenever you open up a vent and you see that it's not big enough for a person to you know climb in. You know because because generally they aren't. Right, or and and that when if you actually do cl- if it is big enough for you to climb into, it's not going to support your weight. Right, and you know, grow, growing up there, the bottom of it. Growing up, I thought that uh, um, there was going to be a lot more times where I was going to be required to climb through vents, and I thought that quicksand was a much bigger issue in life than it has turned out to be. <laughs> no. Well, you got to go to the Amazon, my friend. got to go traveling. Now, now the, the, debate, the debate is over. The science is settled that, uh, um, you know, Die Hard and, as you've pointed out, Die Hard 2 are Christmas movies, but... Uh, I think uh, I, I think it, a case could be made that Die Hard with a Vengeance is an Easter movie. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm trying. It takes place in the summer, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Easter's in the spring. I remember because it starts off with hot time summer in the city. 
Yeah, and, and a lot of it revolves around the fact that there's a, a horrible heat wave going on. Heat wave going on in the city, correct. So um, I would say maybe it's a 4th of July movie? It could be, but I mean, with that, you're going to, you know, you're, you're always going to lose out to Independence Day. Yeah. Which, yeah. which by the way, um, it, when we're talking about underrated sequels, uh, Independence Day Resurgence is not on that list. Um, no. I, I don't I, think... I, I, um, I don't think if if we racked our brains, I'm not sure we could find a positive thing to say about that. <laughs> well, and, and back to, I mean, but even with Die Hard too. I mean, um, uh, I would think Die Hard Three with a Vengeance is even more underrated than Die Hard Two. Because I remember when that movie came out. Um, I, I can't remember how it did in the box office, but it had um, it, it had what we call the Quentin Tarantino effect on it. Where you know Bruce Willis uh, had done Pulp Fiction, of course Samuel L. Jackson also in Pulp Fiction, um, and they decided to kind of Tarantino up um, the the Die Hard franchise. A lot of swearing, we do that already, um, uh, but um, a lot more blood, a lot more gore, and. Um, and I remember just really enjoying the film. Uh, the, it was John McTiernan, by the way, returning to die, retur- uh, direct Die Hard after doing the very first Die Hard film. Randy Harlan does Die Hard 2. John McTiernan uh, returns for Die Hard 3. Uh, John McTiernan, one of the more um, also, talk about underrated sequels, John McTiernan, one of the more underrated directors because he not only did um, uh, the two Die Hard movies, he gave us the first Predator film, which is one of the better sci-fi movies out there. Yeah, and it was it was very different for, for him, at least up to that point, and, and really, you know, in, including the stuff he did afterwards, he he also did the Hunt for Red October. Hunt for Red October, yeah. So, um, and you know, and I get the he kind of like fell off the wayside as far as name directors. Um, and then um, on my face, speaking of Predator, the um, Predator Two also incredibly underrated film had uh, uh, to, to me what uh, what does it for me with Predator 2 which has a um, Danny Glover and Bill Paxton okay so you've had Bill Paxton has fought both the aliens and the Predators okay so look out you know when they did <laughs> Alien when they did Alien versus Predator Bill Paxton been there done that he already fought them both, right? But I liked I liked picturing Danny Glover and Predator Two as a young Roger Murtaugh. You know, so we're seeing this we're seeing this before he meets Martin Riggs in in, in Lethal Weapon because he's an LA cop in this one, mind you. It's uh, LA in the future, not not present day Los Angeles, like LA in the future, and um, and he's also very vulgar in this one. He like swears a lot. But, but he, uh, well, you know, he, some, he's he's famous for swearing a little bit in the Lethal Weapon movies, too. This is true. Um, and then you have the um, the Predators in Los Angeles, not only taking on the L.A. police, but also L.A. street gangs, drug dealers, um, a lot of stuff. I do remember um, uh, Roger Ebert kind of um, taking offense uh, with Predator 2 saying that the design of the Predator was racist because its um, hair 
uh, the, 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 the bits on his hair were supposed to be um, emulating the cornrows or the dre- or dreadlocks on, um, on Jamaicans or African-American men. And he found that to be racist, to which I was going, wait a minute, the Predator looks no different in this movie than he did in the first movie. <laughs> so... So how does how was it not okay then, but now it's racist? So and, uh, and plus, then then I would chime in with the the same old thing that I did with uh, with with Star Wars. It's an alien, so it's not actually any any race that we know. Any so unless yeah okay really let's be honest. E. T. steps off the ship wearing blackface and singing "Mammy." You're telling me that's not racist? Okay, that's a little racist. <laughs> so, and then, but then the thing with Predator Two, um, it forgets the con- like like Jaws Two, it forgets the conceit of the first film. Now, Predator One, when you think about it, really is a military movie, right? Commandos in South America on a mission, things go awry. They encounter this alien thing, and it's essentially, you know, so it's kind of like a war movie, but it's man versus the, a soldier from outer space. And Predator 2, again, they decide to make it a horror movie. They decide to make the, the Predator a, a monster, a horror, you know, type deal um, that's preying on people, and it just turns into kind of a slasher flick, which kind of took the wonder of the Predator away for me, you know. The wonder of so the Predator. Much- that's a, I, I'm not sure that's a phrase that's ever been uttered before. Well, the wonder, the mystery of it, right? You know, how cool it was. You know, you watch the first Predator movie. It's like very much like the shark in Jaws, right? You don't see him all the time. He has that cool holographic uh, uh, camouflage effect. You don't even see his face until near the very end of the film. I'm talking about the first one. In the second Predator movie, yeah, they're showing up all the time. There's no real um, sense of awe to them because they seem very banal, very ordinary. Yeah, they're aliens, but they're like just ugly aliens with with better technology. And cornrows. And cornrows, right. Uh, So it's like it seems like the filmmakers forgot what made the character so appealing in in the beginning, like with Jaws, you know, having the shark become instead of being this force of nature like it was in the first uh, Jaws film, it just becomes, you know, again, like a slasher killer um i think if anything you know a lot of these sequels they tend to forget what really appealed to the character or appealed about the character in the first one and just kind of like lose sight of that um the 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 films that are able to enhance the experience or what we know about the character from the first to the second film um those are the ones that do really well which I don't understand then. Why does electric boogaloo, uh, breaking to electric boogaloo not get more recognition? Uh, it really should. That, that's a crime. <laughs> you know what you could do um, uh, when it comes to elect- uh, breaking to electric boogaloo? You know what I would do? What's the best part of that? Uh, listening to the soundtrack to breaking to electric boogaloo on what? Gear and accessories from Tweaked Audio. <laughs> uh, of course, yes. What, what, what else would you listen to? Right? Come on! <laughs> you know? 
Get your DJ cans on, right? Put those on. You can be walking down the street listening to the soundtrack, right? Because you because you went to tweakedaudio.com and you checked out the different styles and accessories and you found a bit in your price point. And not only did you find the, the equipment or the, you know, the, the headgear that you wanted, the, the mic'd or non-mic'd version that you wanted, you entered the code GCG at checkout and got what? 33% off. And That's a third, Elliot. That's a whole third. So you look at it, you go, oh, you know what? I don't know if I want this slightly more expensive uh, version of these head of this of these headphones. But you forget you're going to get 33 percent off at checkout. So, you know, what? splurge a little. Treat yourself. Get that up. You know, go up another level of gear. Get 33 percent off. And yes, free worldwide shipping because these days shipping costs a lot. You know, you're not going to pay 10, 12, 15 dollars for shipping. It's going to be free. It doesn't matter where you live. It's going to be free. And when you're not listening to obscure movie soundtracks, you'll want to listen to some of the other podcasts on the uh, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including uh, Caffeinated Comics, uh, The Game Show Show, and uh, and Dishing Bitches. Uh, are they still doing the Twin Peaks one? I mean, I, I mean, uh, I know Twin Peaks is. I, I think now that uh, Twin Peaks is uh, is is off has ridden off into the sunset again. Uh, I do believe that um, uh, they're they're done with that at least for the time being. You know, maybe at some point it'll come back, but uh, not right well, now. David Lynch is out. I was gonna say because David Lynch is out there talking about stuff. So you would think, you know, maybe they just make it a David Lynch podcast. You know, so uh, yeah, hey, I, I bet there's a market for that. There you go. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, to me. When it comes to the idea of movie sequels, right, and underappreciated movie sequels, you know, there are times when I think there's a lot of effort that's put in and it's and it's not recognized. And and yeah, maybe they lose sight of what the original conceit of it was. And maybe they even betray you by making it seem you know, by filming the entire movie like in your city, but then they turn around and they make it a different city, like maybe a city that your own city has a rivalry with. But despite all that, I will forget. I will forgive Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. OK, even with the Donald Trump cameo, even with the Donald Trump cameo. Because, damn it, Macaulay Culkin was just so damn adorable. <laughs> you know? So damn adorable. And let's face it, Home Alone 3 did not work. Why? No Macaulay Culkin. Right, I yeah. didn't care for the new kid. I didn't care for the well, new kid. Did, you know, Elliot, there was nothing they could do about that, because at that point, Macaulay Culkin was old enough that him getting left home alone wasn't actually a, a significant thing anymore. Yeah, but then you make him because he's already been in one Die Hard movie, which is Home Alone one, Home Alone one, which is essentially Die Hard. Have him take over for John McClane. Make him make him John McClane's new partner. <laughs> oh, that would I would you totally know. watch that. Yeah, uh, you know, Detectives McClane and McAllister. 
Yeah, I, I can see that. You, know, you talk about you know sequels losing what uh, what what worked in the in the first movie. Uh, one that didn't, and uh, this is one that uh, I I don't think enough people appreciate is uh, Gremlins Two: The New Batch. Because, I mean, that delivered everything that the first movie had. It just had a bunch of, you know, little monsters going around tearing everything up. I mean, it was pretty simple. It's hard to screw that one up. It is, but see, here's the thing. It, if it did anything, it muddied up the rules of caring for Mogwai even more. Because, okay, one, I know, don't get them wet, fine. How the, how the fudge do you bathe a mogwai? Those guys get stinky and smelly. If they're not housebroken, they're sitting in their poop, okay? Did they have dry shampoo back in the 80s? I can't remember. I, I think they did, yeah. Okay, so, and you can't feed them after midnight. Fine, I can't feed them after midnight. What happens if I'm driving with my mogwai? From Chicago to Indiana, and I crossed the timeline during daylight savings. Oh, ooh, that's that's complicated. I, I think it's it's actually uh, mm-hmm. uh, midnight Greenwich Mean Time. I think that that's what they uh, that's what they go with. <laughs> it, that, that's established canon, I think. What if I'm on a plane with my Mogwai and we're flying like to to Argentina? All right, do I take the airplane peanuts away from him? Oh, you have to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> so to me, that, that's going to be one of the things that they, they had the opportunity to address that and they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball on that one. Well, what's, what's funny about uh, Gremlins, is, uh, Gremlins 2 is they make fun of the whole idea of cable news before cable news really even existed. <laughs> well, and again, back to Anchorman. See? Oh, no, I, I think they pulled it off way better than Anchorman 2. Mega Man 2. See, I haven't. Oh man, it has been so long since I've seen the new batch. There's a lot of stuff I forget. I just remember the big, you know, because it was like you got to get to the big climax where you have all the evil gremlins and they're like wreaking havoc on things. And, and they're horrible, horrible. They're wreaking havoc on things and singing New York, New York with uh, Tony Robbins. <laughs> and that's a movie there that you could easily reboot it and give us another sequel. And it. Wow, I've that I've just come up with another movie that I couldn't come up with one in the last uh, in last week's episode. I want a new Xanadu, and I want a new Gremlins. Spielberg, let's make this happen. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron.